Hallelujah. How many of you ready for the word this morning? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness and tender mercies. You are infallible. Your word can be depended on. We ask God that you will just come down and minister to us this morning. That you will touch us in a deep and sensitive way. Father, for all of our family members, I, I, I could think of at least seven that are not here this morning. Mama Ross and a lot of the Ross family, Sister Sharon and her family, Sharon Johnson, Sharon uh, Mutu. Brother Danielle and Achara and their family dealing with a sick child. Sister Lisa Tension and her daughters that are battling trying to find a new kind of normal. God, we're missing so many of your people this morning because of different things. But today, before we do anything else, we lay them before you. Would you do that with me, congregation? Would you just lay anyone that you can think of that should be here, but for some reason is not here, lay them before God on the altar right now. Lord, we're giving them to you. Those that are dealing with financial issues, those that are dealing with severe illness, those that are dealing with, with job scheduling, those that are traveling. God, we lay them before you and ask that, that you will cover them, that you will heal those who need healing. And you will restore all of those that need restoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you give God a hand this morning? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless God. Bless God. Thank you, Lord. How many of you just went out? Bless God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you go with me to the book of Ezekiel? We're going to walk through a couple of things this morning that I, I think are, is going to be beneficial to everyone here. Ezekiel 22, verses 29 through 
through 30. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The people of the land used oppressions, committed robberies, and mistreated the poor and needy. They wrongfully oppressed the strangers. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Verse 30 is the key portion of my text. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. You can go also with me to the book of uh, Psalms 106, verse 19 through verses 23. This is a parallel portion that is not directly connected, but the same scenario is here. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molded image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach or in the gap to turn away his wrath, lest he destroyed them. The word of God is blessed. Father, I thank you for touching our ears that we will hear what you are saying to the church this morning. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here working on every, every, every individual. In Jesus' name, amen. As you all all know, I, I love using points very uh, homiletic, very uh, just like using points. But sometimes God just leads me in a little bit of a different direction. I want to talk to us this morning about positioning. Positioning. At the time that Ezekiel was writing, Judah in particular 
was in captivity. This, Ezekiel was taken in the second group of captives into Babylon. His counterpart, Daniel, was taken in the first group when Judah was, Israel was uh, conquered by Babylon. And as they were there, Ezekiel in particular went there as a pastor. He had a congregation like this. He was known for the word of God coming from God, but was there more as a shepherd until Babylon. And as they went into Babylon, into slavery, and into exile, God changed the positioning of Ezekiel himself from being just a pastor and shepherd to now being a prophet. And one of the main reasons for that was that even though God's people had been led into bondage and they knew that the reason they found themselves under the bondage of the Babylonians, because remember, they've got the experience of coming out of Egypt. So they understand that when they please God, he protects them. They understood that when they displeased God, he first chided them. He first encouraged them. Give them a little spank on the hiney. Said, get yourself together. I, I don't want to allow worse to come upon you. You know what I did for you in Egypt. You see how I, I brought you out. Don't go back. Inevitably, they did go back. And if you look with me again to the book of Ezekiel, I don't want to jump in different areas of the book, but the entire book of Ezekiel, especially the first 30 chapters, is speaking only about what the people of God were, were doing that displeased God. You had not just drunkenness and, and adultery and fornication, but there was robbery and murder and a lack of justice and disrespect for parents. And sons were sleeping with their father's wife, their own mama or stepmom. And, and, and brothers were sleeping with sisters. God's people in exile, in slavery. And rather than buckling down and, and crying out to God and saying, we have done wrong. We need you. They continued down the slippery slope were worshiping idols like Baal, practicing sexual immorality. And God comes on the scene 
And he says to Ezekiel, I'm seeing all of this mess. It has become a stench to my nostrils. I'm sickening inside. I don't know how to to deal with the fact that I have brought my people out of a miry clay. Delivered them out of catastrophe. And yet, this is their behavior. He said, I searched for a man who would make up the wall, who would fill the gap, and I found none. Let me explain that, because it's not none in the way that we are thinking individually none, because Ezekiel is right there, and he's writing. So God already had him. Right? It couldn't have been none as a no believer there. It is that in a corporate sense, God's people had lost the unity of coming together and crying out to God. That as a community of Christ followers, they had lost the unity of praying together, fasting together, having one or two main points of vision about God's deliverance, and then agreeing to cry to God until something happens. There were individual Christians here and there, but no unified force. So God is saying, I'm searching, I'm searching for, for, for a people led by a man that, that will stand in the gap. I'd like to focus a little bit on this stand in the wall, stand at the wall, and stand in the gap thing. Can I develop that a little more? The first thing that I'd like to say is, As you are fellowshipping, as you are here in church, and this is a question that everyone here has to answer in the the area of positioning, that some of the people in church, somebody that may possibly be sitting beside you, is not a gap protector but a gap pretender. That the reason, Brother Tony, that the church is suffering as it is because they are people dressed just like you and I coming to church every Sunday like you and I. Singing Christian songs like you and I. But they are pretenders because the real work of a Christian is in the spirit. And they are functioning 
in religion and not righteousness. Pause right there for a moment. I am praying and crying out for God, not just to send us right, ready, resolute, resilient, rock-solid laborers. The reason I'm praying that prayer is because I've grown up in church. I'm a church baby. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, my siblings, would, I'm sure, would say the same thing. If it wasn't for God himself arresting us individually as PKs, pastor's kids, we would not be Christians. Because the church has both wheat and tears growing together. But how many of you understand that the adversary is always trying to show you the wheat, the tears? The ones that are constantly fleshing out. The ones that are saying hallelujah and speaking in tongues in church one moment and then cussing. At somebody on the outside. I've listened to nephew Tommy's. How many of you know? He has the prank calls sometimes. And uh, he pranked one member from a church. I started laughing in the beginning, but by the time he was finished, everyone else was laughing and I was crying in my car. Because he started asking the lady about a check that she had written her tides on. And that the check had bounced. And uh, how would she like to, to replace that amount of money? What surprised me was how quickly a discussion about a check that bounced moved this Christian woman from sanctified to sinful. That she couldn't believe that the check was bounced. And second, she couldn't believe that somebody that was not a deacon at the church had called her about it. And because he wasn't the right person to call her about the check, she got irate. And before you know it, she was using F and S and every four-letter word you could find. Before Tommy said, Sister So-and-so called me and told me to prank you. And then she was, oh God, forgive me. You know, I don't cuss like this. It's y'all that made me do it. And I kept thinking to myself, how many of us, even after all that we've heard, 
will actually stand before God and attempt to use sister so-and-so made me do it. How many of us will, 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 will be so saddened at our behavior that we will fall backward and say, woe is me. Can I tell you that today, as the church is growing worldwide, that one of the most important things that we have to deal with is finding the right position. That God has a position in the body for every one of us. That if you are an arm, there's a place for you. And it is not where a leg is. If you are a nose, there is a place for you, and it is not where an eye is. If you are a finger, there's a place for you, and it is not where a lip is. God has picked your place for you. So the question is, Lord, what is my position and purpose? What is my position and purpose? I don't want a raise of hand, but in a congregation of this many, it's probably about 60% of the people that normally have not seriously prayed to God about th those two things. So I want to give you a statement. If you are looking for purpose in God, it comes out of right position with God. If you're looking for your purpose, your purpose will come out of your position. Number one position is a position of prayer. One of the reasons why God was able to spare Israel, and I alluded to it when we read from Moses' encounter, was that he was a man of prayer. He spoke to God incessantly. Can I say that you can become very pretentious if all of your prayers are just about you? Do we understand that if you look at how your prayers have been going and they have been all or mostly about you, that you are more pretentious than protective. Because you and I are a single part of the entire body. The hand cannot say to the toe, I don't like you. 
and clip it off. The ear cannot say to the lip, I don't like the way you're shaped and try to take it off. That every part of the body is to complement every other part. And every other part is responsible for every other part. There is no way that the body as a human being or the body of Christ can function as the body should if there is not unity. And our unity starts with being able to pray together and pray for each other. Someone asked me recently, said, Pastor, quite often when I start praying, I pray for just a few, a minute or two, and, and then I start, my mind starts wandering and starts going all over the place. What's with that? I said, well, we know it. it's an attack. It's an attack of the adversary on your mind, trying to get you out of what you should be doing. What should I do? And immediately I thought about my own mom. My mom has been known as a prayer warrior. Can we say amen, Abby? My mom has been known as an intercessor. Can I tell you one of her secrets? She writes everything down. She writes, if you ask her to pray about something, she doesn't just say, I'm going to pray about it. She writes it down in her planner, and then Abby knows She's got her notebook, and in the morning, she opens up, and she starts praying. She will call out your name specifically. She does not trust her memory, and it's not because she's in her 70s. She's been like that. Many of the prayer warriors that I have known and encountered are people who wrote down what they need to be praying about. Can I say this morning that if you are here and you are committed to to filling the gap, there's always going to be gaps to fill in the body. If you are going to be a wall builder, you got to learn how to cry out. You've got to become a prayer warrior. You have got to be someone who no one has to push and probe and, and cajole and, 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 and that you and Abba have a daily communication going, 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 going. One of the reasons I respect Pastor Ron so much is because he has had a lifetime of praying, praying, every day praying. At one time, at 3 o'clock in the morning, you'd get up and pray. 
Not one day, not two days, but years. You don't pray like that by just guessing at what you will pray for. You are able to pray like that when you pray intentionally. And when you pray intentionally, you have a note about what you're praying. So you can come back a week later and remind God about what you prayed. Here's how you know if you're not standing in the gap like you should with your prayer. When you can't remember much of what you prayed for last week Thursday. Because it just came out and went out. That there is no recurring petition. Do we understand that the word of God is saying, Jesus said, listen, if, if a bad judge gets tired and weary of a, of a person coming and constantly saying, you got to give me justice. You've got to hear my petition. You've got to look into my problem. That even a bad judge, when he hears that much petition about the same thing over and over again, he just says, you know what? I'm, I'm, this is wearing me out. I got to do something. And then the word of God said, if your heavenly father who is so much more than a regular judge. Hallelujah, glory be to God. How many of us understand that our God is way better, way better, way better than a regular judge? Our God is way better. He doesn't become impatient. He does not become impatient. He does not criticize how you pray. He does not criticize the way you pray. He just listens to you. And feels your heart. Purpose comes out of position. There's got to be a position of daily prayer. Daily prayer cannot function properly without. The word of God. It is part of your armor. It says put on the sword of the spirit. Which is what? The word of God. Put on the, put on the sword. Pick up the sword of the spirit. Pick up the thing that the spirit of God in you will use to win your battle. Pick up the thing that the Holy Spirit that fills you will use to create your victory. It's the word of God. Can I say this? The word of God does not always feel like it's it's effective when you're reading it. If you're a person here and you run on emotion, 
Um, this is all about positioning. This is, we're going into a season where I believe I said it. I said it. Joshua 1 and 1 said, God is calling you to put your foot, put your spiritual feet where you believe God wants to break something loose for you. But it's not just by talking about it. You have to possess the land. You have to possess the land. I told the believers on Wednesday, I said, I do not understand. I could not understand why, why God would tell Abraham. First of all, many of us, don't have a problem when God is asked, when we have to pray about a need in our own lives. How many of us have an easy time praying for God to make a way? Go ahead, wave your hand. You have a, I have an easy time praying, asking God when there's calamity, when there's trouble, when there's a tough time. You know where we have, if you're a believer and you're here today, you know where we have our biggest problems? Our biggest problems come when, not when we're praying for God to help us, but when God has provided a way and then he comes back like he did with Abraham and he said, I know you prayed and I gave you a promise. You got your son. But today I'm asking you to sacrifice the promise back to me. Can I tell you that most of the church is not living in victory because we only learn how to pray for stuff. But we have never learned how to interact with God when God is taking back the stuff that he gave you. Because he's trying to set you up for something greater. At the time, God did what he did to Abraham. He was just an individual that God had called and made a promise to. I'm going to make you a great nation. Your people, those connected to your bloodline, will be like the sand of the earth. But when God makes promises like that to you, there's a requirement. There's a pull on you that you got to be ready to make. God said, I want you to sacrifice this little boy that I gave you. He's the promise. How could he be the promise when you're asking me the sacrifice? Just, I want the promise. And he went through every step. Here was my next question. Why? Why would you let him gather, pick the day, gather the tools, then get the donkeys. Then get the wood and tie them on the donkey. Then, then walk up the mountain. Then take the servants with you. Then halfway up the mountain, tell them, wait here, I'll be back. At every one of those stages, God already knew that Abraham's heart was set before him. Did, 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 did everyone get that? At every single stage, 
God knew that this man's heart was after him. So why did God allow him to go through all of these things? It's the position. The sacrifice that God had had given, the provision that God had made was on the top of the mountain. And if you think you and I are going to walk to the middle of the mountain and get the provision there, if you think that because you're a good tither and you come to church regularly and you get on the prayer line occasionally and you're just a good person, you are a pretty good believer. You're saved. You don't cuss. You don't drink or swear or smoke. God's saying, yes, you don't do those things, but there's something in your purpose that you don't even know about that is bigger than you that I am calling you to. And you can just have to obey me. You will just have to hear my instruction and obey me because the the sacrifice that I am providing, the break that I am providing for you, the opportunity that I am providing for you, the breakthrough that I have for you is on the top of the mountain. And when you get there and you do everything I'm telling you to do, and you're about to give me back what I gave you, I'm going to say, hold it, son. Here's the lamb in the thicket right there. Here's provision right there. Is there somebody here this morning who has given up halfway up the mountain? Can you recall, does it bring you to tears when you start to think about how many times God has had stuff for you at the top of the mountain, but you never finished Have you, does it bring you to tears that there are people, that there are people that God has put you in the gap to save your prayer is what will save them. Your prayer is what will bring them out. One of my most admirable persons in our church is Mama Acreage. Remember when someone got saved in our church a couple months ago and she got the news that the person had gotten saved? She broke down and cried her heart out. You know why? Because she had that person on her prayer list for 41 years. It did something to me. Does God really care as much about the one person that you commit to praying for for 41 years as he does for the one preacher that preaches one sermon and a thousand people come to God? Yes, he does. The story said, Jesus said in the parable, I'm going to leave the 99 sheep, go out and find the one. Because that's our God. 
Can I close by asking you today to find your position with God? You cannot find the position outside of prayer. You can't find the position outside of prayer. Your position and your purpose is tied to intercession and communication with God. Your purpose is tied to putting the word of God in you so that your mind isn't diluted by the adversary. Father, I ask you this morning, as this encouragement has gone out to your people, that you will right now, there's someone on Facebook and someone on our streaming site that is saying, God, give me purpose. You're here this morning and you're saying, God, show me your purpose. Your purpose starts with standing in the gap. It's that it starts with standing in the gap. It's not glamorous. It's not, it's not, it's not public, but it's essential. Somebody needs you to watch their behind in prayer. Somebody needs you, that child, that grandchild, that son, that brother, that sister, that friend, that neighbor across the street. You can't go to their house and witness because you don't know what their belief is and how they will respond. But you can put their name down and you can cry to Abba Father that he makes a way that he sends Holy Spirit to hold them by the hand and bring them in in Jesus name Father I thank you for your word thank you that you don't fail you don't fail you can't fail you cannot fail you can do anything but fail minister to your people this morning God we repent we repent we repent we repent would you would you would you do that with me we're going to be spending just a few moments on the altar with the our communion this morning would you just cleanse your heart if you are a believer here this morning would you just take a moment and just ask God father have your own way in me have your own way Wash my eyes with hyssop so that I can see your plan and purpose for me. Wash me, wash me, wash me, wash me, wash me, wash me on the inside. Wash me inside out, God. Wash me, wash me, wash me, wash me. Anything that defiles, anything that keeps me out of purpose, anything that is keeping me out of position, anything that is stopping me from filling the gap and closing the revolving door, God, take it away from me. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you all stand with me?